take a look at something that I think is really important for us to consider. But before we do that, let's hold up our Bibles. I'm a child of God. Have in my hand. Powerful Word of God. It can do incredible things. Like change hearts, change minds, heal broken bodies, and save people from hell. Here's our prayer, Lord Jesus, today. Speak to me. In Jesus' name, amen. Helen Oatley is a, was a wealthy matron. She hosted a big luncheon to help launch a new Red Cross drive in Washington, D.C. One of the high dignitaries in attendance patted the little hostess's daughter, her little daughter, Dottie, on the head. And this is what she said. Well, aren't we a big help to our dear mother? What is our task today? Our task for today, snaps the little daughter, is to see that none of you bozos try to get away with any of the silver. <laughs> I want to talk to you today about guesterizing our church. Now, I don't, I'm not sure that the word guesterizing is in the dic- dictionary. It's kind of like Jack Franklin's word, terrifical. I don't think that's in the dictionary at all, but it's a word that he uses quite often. And so, guesterize is a word that I want us to consider. In those Bibles you held up, we're going to look in 3 John. There's 1st, 2nd, 3rd John. You probably don't haven't spent much time in 3rd John. It's almost to the book of Revelation. Go back there to 3 John. We'll be in chapter 1. We'll be in verses 5 through 8. We're going to look at those in just a few minutes. Someone has said hospitality is making your guests feel at home, even if you wish they were. Do I need to say that one again? Hospitality is making your guests feel at home, even if you wish they were. Back in January, I started the year talking about being a welcoming church. I know all of you remember that message just like it was yesterday. All of you could pull out that outline and quote for me the verses of Scripture that we used. In fact, we read them earlier in Leviticus. I just wanted to remind you of that. And we titled the message back in January of Getting Ready for Company. But today I want us to look... And a little more personal message. In your Bibles, 3 John chapter 1, verses 5 through 8, says, Beloved, it is a faithful thing you do in all your efforts for these brothers, strangers as they are, who testified to your love before the church. You will do well to send them on their journey in a manner worthy of God, for they have gone out for the sake of the name, accepting nothing from the Gentiles. Therefore, we ought to support people like these, that we may be fellow workers for the truth. Third John is a letter of love written by John, a pastor, to a man in one of the churches in Asia Minor whose name was Gaius. John commends him for giving hospitality to some Christian teachers who were traveling from city to city, bringing the message of Christ, teaching those who had already found Christ. You see, travelers were dependent on the hospitality of others. Hotels and restaurants were extremely rare in this time. 
And the few inns that were there and that you would find were often dirty and infected with all kinds of insects. And there was such immorality in those inns that they just weren't a desirable place to stay. Uh, Cindy and I found one of those in Houston, Texas that we ended up staying at when we went down for the birth of our granddaughter, Lincoln. It was really an interesting place. We were used to staying in a hotel where they would service your room on a daily basis and clean you, bring you new clean, uh, clean linens and all that, only to find out that that only happens every seven days in this particular place. But we were more than welcome to change our own sheets and so forth. So anyway, uh, we won't be staying at that location (laughs) much in the future. But what is hospitality? Did you know that it's one of the requirements of being a pastor in 1 Timothy 3 and Titus 1? It's also a responsibility of all Christians in Romans 12 and 1 Peter 4. This word gesturize, I I read in uh, an article, and it just kind of captured my thought process. And the definition that was written there is really interesting. It says, gesturize is to make a church more responsive to its guests and better able to attract newcomers. So we want to gesturize River Oaks. We want to gesturize our church. The main part of hospitality is the word hospital. Travelers, as I mentioned, were at a disadvantage when they traveled, so religious leaders established international guest houses in the 5th century. They, they were havens, and they were called hospice, from the Latin word for guests. After the Crusades, these guest houses became a place to specialize in the care for the poor, sick, aged, and crippled. And in the 15th century, they had developed into institutions for the care and treatment of the sick and handicapped. And so, hospitals were created. But originally, they were a haven for guests to stay in. So, what can we do to make our church a haven for guests? And you might say, well, preacher, we need to have some guests before we make a haven for them. I agree. But I also believe this, that if we're not ready to receive them, why would God send them? And you might say, well, there's bigger churches all around us. That's why we can't get guests. Really? I don't believe that. But I do believe that if we're not ready, God can't send them. He won't send them. How do we receive them? Well, we've got a hug and howdy time. Yes, we do. And you hug and howdy very well. You do. Do you find yourself walking past somebody that you don't know when you hug and howdy? I'm going to talk about that this morning. I oftentimes ask the elders and deacons to make make themselves a special visitor to our church. Be a guest at our church. Come at off-peak hours which is any time but Sunday morning. <laughs> Visit our church. Try to see it from the eyes of a guest. I asked them to put on the guest hat and do that blocks away from the church. 
to take in the first view of our facilities, to pull into the parking lot, to get out of the car, proceed toward the church building, enter the church building, make a tour of the facility, seeing maybe things for the very first time. Enter our sanctuary, sit and visualize a typical Sunday morning service. So I'd like for you to take that same tour. And the good news is you don't have to leave your seat today. But I want you to nevertheless join with me. So I want you to pantomime. I want you to act like you've got a hat. And I want you to put your guest hat on. Okay? Everybody put your guest hat on. Good for you. Now, you're in guest mode. On your note sheet, we'll fill in some blanks. But I also want you to use that to make some notes. Because each of the things that I'm going to talk about, I want you to begin to think as I'm speaking about it, how we might improve ourselves here at this church. How can we guesterize our church? And I've broken our first time visit to River Oaks in six segments. So let's get started. Number one is approaching. Number one is approaching. So, first off, when you get up in the morning to come to church, what's your emotional situation? Do you think an unchurched person has been chomping at the bit to get a chance to come to a church that they've never been to? You think they feel anxious? You think they feel excited? Well, coming here is really off the chart emotionally. Way out of their comfort zone. Now, we're a smaller church, and so as a smaller church, we have a little bit of an advantage over a larger church because it's pretty easy to find where you need to go and what you need to do when you get here, or is it? So when the unchurched person or family decides to attend our church for the first time, what do you think is going to happen to them the morning of the service? Well, you know as well as I do, Satan's going to work on them. The kids won't cooperate. The car won't run right. That'll be the day that the AC doesn't work good on the car. That'll be the day that one of them, child or adult, will have a tummy ache. That'll be the day when the hair would not cooperate. Whatever Satan can do to throw a wrench in the deal, he'll do it. If he can't keep them from attending, he'll at least make sure that when they hit the parking lot, they are so stressed out they're in no mood for what lies ahead. So here you are, you're anxious, you're stretched, you're stressed out, you turn onto Elm Street and you head for the church. Now let me caution you, in in fact, you might want to write this down. Every, here's the first fill in. Everything speaks to the first time guest. Everything. Everything speaks to the first time guest. Everything. Our church is always sending a message, whether we realize it or not. And when someone is anxious and stressed, those antennas are up ready to evaluate everything. They look in the flower beds. By the way, this one out here under the marquee sign is overgrown. Just thought I'd throw that at you if anybody wants to go out and ungrow it. 
Not after yesterday. See, God already took care of it. Why do we mow the grass every week? It's almost dead anyway. Just leave it alone. Okay? Why do we paint the church building? Waste of money. Why do we remodel the kitchen? Could use that money for something else. If you haven't been back to the nursery, you need to go. We also have locks on the door. And it will be locked. And there will certain people, there will be certain people, and they'll go nameless at this point, who will not be allowed in there. Because they think they can climb on the beds and jump like a trampoline. We want to keep it nice, don't we? Yeah, we sure do. We even put locks up here on the baptistry doors. Why? Because we don't want children to go swimming. Or better yet, fall in a hole. Because we have a hole up there. But guests look and everything speaks to them. We're always sending a message. We don't have to be perfect, but we need to do the best we can with what we have. Yeah, we do. It needs to be clean. We've cleaned the chairs. Have you noticed? We cleaned the carpet. Have you noticed? That silly stain that went down the hallway and all the way out that door. Finally got that cleaned up. Looks great, doesn't it? Clean the chairs in the back till we start eating dinner on them and then they'll get dirty again. Somebody will get mad because they got dirty again. Now we know. Then we'll clean them again. That's all right. Amen. Well, they ought to clean up after themselves. Well, I agree they ought to clean up after themselves, but they don't. First impressions are very important. Why do businesses update their look? Why is McDonald's updating the way they look? I mean, why do they do that? So, they'll, so you'll keep coming. Well, you don't come because of the way they look. You come because of what they feed you. You can get that through the drive through Not one drive through but two drive throughs And now they get so piled up and backed up, you don't know when you're going to get your food. Walmart changes the way they do things. Why? What's wrong with these people? They've added more self-checkout lines. At least you can get through. If you go to a line where there's a checker, you're there for days. You could go into a coma and nobody ever know. They just push your basket around you and tell you to get out of the way. First impressions are important. Are there some things that we could do to make our church as inviting as possible? If you thought of something, write that down. Write that down. I want to hear from you. I really do. The second segment is arriving. Arriving. All right, we take the, let's take our imaginary steering wheel and we've pulled into the parking lot. Where are you going to park? I want you to raise your hand of how many guest parking spaces we have designated in our parking lot. Anybody raise your hand? Can you tell me how many? Brother Sam? Zero! <laughs> Zero! All of them are unmarked. That's right. In fact, in fact, we have 35 parking spaces here. 26 here, 9 back there. None are marked for guests. 
Now, most churches would put the guest ones on the far end down here. So when you pull in off the street, there's no way to actually get into the parking spot unless you kind of back up and pull in, you know. Or you'll drive by it and see, oh, it's a guest one. i got to back up to get into it. And by then, you're going to wreck somebody coming in behind you. They ought to be right up by the front door. Amen? Two this side, two that side, two, first two out here. And guess what? If we put those out there, you're going to park in them. Why? Because by golly, I go to church here. Well, by golly, I get to do that. I should be able to sit right up front now. And these will always be the cleanest chairs in the whole place. (laughs) We're always going to have to clean the back four rows. We ought to give our guests the best parking. Amen? We need again to begin to park in the grass. We used to park in the grass on the west side. Those of us that come all the time, we need to start parking out there again. If you park under the trees, your car will be in the shade and it will be cooler when you get out of church. Amen? Amen. Squirrels might be in the car, but don't worry about it. Take them home with you. We need to get rid of them from around here. But park your car now. Imaginary car, park your car, get the family out. Does it make sense where you're supposed to go? I mean, there's, there's a door over here, right? So you assume you've got to go in that door. But does it tell you to come in that door? No. Does it tell you to come in that back door? No. We started putting bulletins back at that back door because everybody was coming up here to get them and walking. Why don't we just put them back there? So now we put them back there and some of you said, wow, that's really a neat idea. Okay, great. They're back there. We should desire... Do we have directional signs to tell people where to go, what to do? What's important? Well, we've got a few. Do they make sense? I don't know how in the world we went down the hallway and put these really nice signs down there. They're real big and they stand out, but we didn't put ones by the bathrooms. (laughs) Because, see, we all go to the bathroom here. We know where they are. But if a guest comes, do they know? We should desire that people experience a wow factor when they come in onto our parking lot. When they come into our building, they ought to go, whoa, wow. So, jot down some more ideas on how we can do better at that. Now let's move on to the third segment. And that's advancing. As a guest, you have what may be called new turf nerves. You're feeling tense as you imagine what you'll find inside the church building. Will there be a warm and friendly people? Are you entering the building with a, through the proper door? Will you need to take a lot of and, uh, and answer a lot of and ask a lot of embarrassing questions? Can you find the children's area or the bathrooms? Are you dressed appropriately on, on the way to go inside? Does River Oaks have greeters with a smile? My mentor I've been mentoring with for the last five years, uh, Nelson Searcy, says they have a greeter's training session at their church. And the reason, he said the number one thing they have to have to be a greeter at the Journey Church is they have to have all their teeth. I said, Nelson, that's not right. He said, I know we've changed that, but he said, really, really think about it. He said, you don't want somebody smiling, I just don't have all their teeth. I guess it makes sense, I don't know. But are they friendly? I mean, you can have few teeth and still be friendly. Amen? Do our guests find River Oaks people friendly? As you, as they walk into the building, 
is the initial context with people a good one? You see, how we greet them makes a difference in whether they... It's, it's said that the first seven minutes decides whether they come back or not. First seven minutes. Ooh, that's a long time before hugging howdy. Because when I mentioned, are we a friendly church, somebody quickly said, well, we've got hugging howdy. That doesn't define whether we're friendly or not. That just gives you a chance to go around and hug people you haven't seen all week. And man, some of you do it well. And then if I say, okay, it's time to sit down. I'm not done yet! They should yell out like, you know. Thank you for that respect. I appreciate it so much. It's time to move on. And then you get upset because we've gone too long in the service. Well, man, I'm preaching too long. Well, I had to wait for you to get done and go long another time. You see what I'm saying? It really shouldn't matter, should it? Let's just visit with each other. We can do it before. We can do it during. We can do it after. Amen? I don't rush off. Stick around visit a minute. Fact. Why don't you invite each other to go to lunch and just go sit down and visit a little while? That'd be awesome. That'd be awesome. Do we offer honest friendliness without being mushy or overbearing? Do we make ourselves available to answer questions and give us this? That's not, that's not just the greeters. That's everybody. A guest in our church should never sit by themselves. If you see a guest and you don't know who they are, go sit down next to them and stay there. Don't sit next to them and say, good to see you, and get up and walk away. They'll think they have the plague or something. Sit next to them. Talk to them. Do we offer honest friendliness? If we really want to guesterize our church, I'd like to suggest the ten-foot rule and the just-say-hi policy. If you're within ten, foot, in ten feet of somebody that you don't know, you just say hi. Hi. You know what they'll do? Hi. Then what do you do? I don't know. I don't know what to say after that. Hi. My name is... And they probably will tell you their name. And then you'll say, I don't remember your name. They just told you. Do the best you can to remember. Hi. If you're in ten feet of somebody you don't know, say hi to them. As our guests advance toward the building, let's advance toward them. Let's, let's take the step toward them. Let's welcome them. I'm not saying rush them. I'm not saying 15 people go, hey, somebody new! No, no, no. And grab them in a headlock and drag them in. So glad you're here, man. Glad you're here. No. But you know what I'm talking about. You know what I'm talking about. So again, jot down some ideas for me. Number four is acclimating. Two things that many of our guests want to know when they enter the building is, where do my kids go? And where are the bathrooms? We are improving the way our building looks, the way our rooms look. We're updating them, making them look more uh, appealing. Uh, We've done the nursery just finished this week. It looks massively different. Uh, Back in the children's room, uh, beautiful room. You need to go in and see these places. 
Uh, we're not through. We're, we're just working our way through methodically as God provides resources and fundings to be able to do them. We're, we're, we're working methodically through and doing them and grateful, grateful for your uh, contributions to make that happen. As our first time guests walk through the door, how can, how can you find answers to those two questions? How could they find them? Do they know where to go? Does it make sense to them? If you have to ask questions of complete strangers to get answers, then you add to the uneasiness and the difficulty they have attending. What are we doing to ease those tensions? Presently, we aren't doing very much to acclimate our guests. If I'm in the back and a guest comes in, I will find somebody who will make sure their kids get to the right spot. But see, we ought to have enough volunteers that we don't have to worry about that. You're already manned, you're ready to go, and you're going to get them to where they need to go. But see, we start church at 1030. And some of you look funny at me when we actually start at 1030. Because you're used to getting here at 1050. And you think that we ought to wait till you get here before you start, before we start. We're starting at 1030. You can make it. I bet you'll get up early enough to get to work tomorrow. A lot earlier than coming to church. Ooh, gone from preaching to meddling now. Okay. What can we do to ease the tensions that guests will have? Do we have well-placed signs? Many churches have a welcome center. I don't know how we could do that with the size church we have. But let's give it some thought. Why don't you put your thinking cap on? Help me come up with some ways that we might be able to do some of these things. Do you think we could point them in the right direction? Could we make signage attractive enough and um, clearly enough so that they know where to go and where to get their kids and why that's important? Those children areas, how are we looking in those? Well, we're, we're getting better. One of the things that we're going to institute also, uh, Jeff, on your, uh, on your software there, would you look where it's up in the top right where it says um, something about monitor or nursery? I meant to do this with you earlier and I forgot. Nursery alert. Does it say alert? Top left. And easy worship. Anyway, there's a button there, and uh, I didn't go over this with him beforehand. But in the, you push the button, and there's a number that appears up on the screen. And what we're going to do is give you a number when you bring your child back to the nursery. And if your number appears up on the screen, that, that's your silent call to head back to the nursery. It means we need you. We are going to do that. It will happen. Soon, soon, soon. And I'll explain to Jeff where that is. So <laughs> we'll find it. You may have to do the pull-down menu under live, and it may be there. I can't remember. So, but anyway, if you find it and can throw up a number one, then that will be fun for people to see. So click on it, and what happens? There it is. So if you're number one, we expect you to be in the nursery fairly quickly. But we can change that number, correspond to the number that we've placed, we have stapled to your child's back. No. (laughs) Bathrooms and nursery are the two major 
rooms that people are... It used to be because of cleanliness in the nursery, but now it's security. So we want to make sure that everything's secure. The fifth area is assembling. Assembling. This is about our worship gathering. Most people who walk through the doors for the first time have either been burned by church, by the negative press about the church, or maybe a friend or a family member has overworked the idea of religion. But more than likely, they're just skeptical. And they're just waiting for us to mess up. So they say, I see, there you go. I'm not going to go back. It's so important that we guestrize our church. And that includes our worship services. Are we thorough enough in explaining what we do during our worship service? I don't, I don't think we are. I'm guilty. I'm guilty. The indictment's at me. Can we give our guests the best seats? Oh, now we've gone to meddling here. Can we give our guests the best seats? Do you know what the best seat in the house is? The aisle seats. It's the aisle seat. Why the aisle seat? Well, if they don't like it, they can get out. But what do we do? We come and occupy the best seats. So what I want you to start doing is move to the center. You sit on that row, move to the center. Then as we start service and we get the hug and howdy and nobody sits in your corner seat, slide back out there. Nobody will know the difference. You see what I'm saying? But we've thought ahead of time about making our guests feel comfortable. Of course, you might be saying, well, we've got plenty of aisle seats ready for anybody who wants to come. Okay. Well, they all want to sit back there where you are. They don't want to come up here where I am. You see, it's about sacrifice. Are we willing to sacrifice about where we sit and move so that others can be more comfortable? Hmm. That's a question you and God are going to have to straighten out. You know, I did that one one time, one Sunday. I remember I challenged you the next next week to sit somewhere different. If you're back here, you sit up here. If you're back here, sit up there. And there was people, they said, this isn't right. These chairs are all the same. But they said, this isn't right. This doesn't feel right. I haven't been to church because I'm not sitting in the place where I always sit. Good. Good. Move. It may be the first movement you've done for God in years. Move. Get up and move. Do something that God would say, wow, I just noticed you moved. Some churches ask guests to remain seated while members stand. No, 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 no. We don't do that. You know, I very rarely introduce a guest. Have you noticed that? I don't want them to be embarrassed. I don't want them to be singled out. If you haven't already noticed who they are and said hello to them, we're in trouble anyway by that time of the service. Don't want to bring undue attention toward them. Uh, We might say, hey, if you're new today, raise your hand. No. The best way to collect information is what we ask you to do each week, and that's our connection card. Jeff, I believe I have a sample of that uh, for us. So that's the one that was in today's bulletin. That's the front side. Need you to fill out the whole thing. You might say, well, I get tired of filling it out every week. But if a guest sees you filling it out, then they're going to think it's okay for them to fill out. If a guest sees you carrying a Bible and you open the Bible, 
they're going to think, this is an important place to carry a Bible and open my Bible. But if they see you sitting in the back, and I say, okay, let's turn to 3 John chapter 1, verses 5-8, through 8, and you just go, ah, I'll close my eyes and just listen, I know the Word. You don't even know where 3 John is unless I tell you. There's not a book, 3 John. Why, it's right next to Acts 29. I remember one Sunday I said, okay, turn in your Bibles to Acts 29. And verse 7 says, for God so loved the world. I had four amens. (laughs) There is no Acts 29. And that verse is John 3.16. Oh, I thought it was familiar. Connection card. Then on the back, I've got a picture of the back, we always challenge you to take the next steps, don't we? There's a reason why we do that. We want you to move. We want you to move for God. Move for God. It may be moving your seat, and then you can go back out to the corner. But at least initially move in, so if guests come, they'll have a place to sit that's comfortable for them. That's why we do what we do, amen? Our whole motive ought to be to reach new people for Christ. Can I get an amen? Amen. Well, at least four of you believe that. All right. And when we fill out the card, they'll fill out the card. When they see us put it in the plate, they'll put it in the plate. It's really important. There will be a cost for doing things now, but they'll pay dividends later down the road. We need to invest in our guests here at River Oaks. Again, I hope you're jotting things down. Number six is acknowledging. How do we thank our guests for coming and how do we encourage them to come back? It takes place in two phases. There's the post-service and there's the post-weekend. During the post-service, I've given you that ten-foot rule. Anybody remember the ten-foot rule? What, what are you supposed to do? Say hi. If you're within 10 feet of them, say hi. So as you're leaving, if you know, don't know somebody, say hi. Hi, my name's Harold. Or if you don't want to give them your name, say, hey, my name is Dwayne. Or if you don't want to give them Dwayne's name, say, hey, my name's Tyler. I don't, it doesn't matter. Give them a name. It'd be better if it was your name. I don't like my name. <sighs> That ten-minute rule, our ten-foot rule. Then there's the five-minute rule, five to seven-minute rule. The first five to seven minutes, they decide whether they're coming back or not. But if we're lucky enough to keep them here all all morning, we need to do our best to make sure they feel welcome. And then what do we do about post-service? What do we do after the service? Well, beginning in a couple of weeks, we're going to start giving away a free book. We've done it in the past. I fully expect you to take several of those books yourself because, after all, you paid for them with your gifts and tithes and offerings, and so you're going to expect to have that book. So take it. Go ahead. It'll be okay. I think we have enough to give to our first-time guests. But we want to make sure that they know we appreciate them coming. And then on Monday, what I call Monday Blitz, is um, 
send a handwritten note to all first-time guests. And in that note, I put a gift. Because I want them to open that and go, wow. Wow. First of all, how many people get handwritten notes anymore? Not very many. Not very many. If you get a handwritten note, and you get a gift inside the handwritten note, that makes you go, wow. That's not anything big. It's not anything fancy. It's just a little gift card. Good enough for a cup of coffee. That's about it. But I had one lady respond. She'd never been back to church, but she did respond to the handwritten note in the gift. She said, you'll never know how much that gift card meant to me. The fact that she took the time to handwrite me a note and to tell me that, boy, I had some time to pray and thank God. So see, it's the little things. It's the little things. So again, I hope you've put your thinking cap on. I, th- I hope that you've listened to these six areas. And after we leave today, if you think of other ways that we can do a better job in, in these six areas, please, please write those down. If you want to say, well, we just need a new preacher and it would help everything, write that down. I may agree with you. But there is an interesting truth. The more prepared a church is to receive guests, the more guests it receives. If you're a a person that exercises hospitality, you always have your house ready for somebody, don't you? Because, see, when you have that gift of hospitality, it doesn't matter who it is or for what reason you're ready to have them. Well, those people are extremely special people, aren't they? You know them. Maybe you're one of them. I hope you've jotted some things down. I hope you're going to turn that into me. I hope you're going to share that with me. John wrote to Gaius, and in verse 5 of our text, he says, Dear friend, you are faithful in what you are doing for the brothers, even though they are strangers to you. So we want to greet them, direct them, treat them, and seat them. Amen. So are we being faithful in doing all we can for the strangers that God sends to us? What can you do to help our church be more faithful in guesterizing our church? Father, I ask you this morning. To just prick a heart or two or more. God, I'm convinced that there will be a time. I'm praying for that time. When our church is so tuned to guests coming through the door. that And they will be so welcomed and so responded to. They'll be overwhelmed with how we are treating them. Oh, they may visit another church, but this one is always going to stick in their mind and their heart because they want to be back and see if they're treated the same way a second time. And God, would we be consistent to treat everyone the same way each time they come as a welcomed guest? 
But Father, more than that, are we welcoming You? Are we greeting You? Are we treating You? Are we sitting with You? Are we letting You direct our lives? Are You a welcomed guest in the home of our hearts? Or have we become so self-sufficient and self-complacent that we're not really moved anymore? Oh God, would this church catch a fire of the evangelism that needs to go on? And the first way all of us can be a part of it. You see, some go out and speak it. Some stand on the corner. Some stand in front of church. And some teach in classes. But all of us can smile. All of us can shake someone's hand. All of us can say, Hi, how you doing? And God, so often, just that smile can make all the difference in the world in the life of a person. So God, I'm praying that during our worship service, people will become so moved and so touched by Your Spirit that they'll begin to come forward and fall on their knees at the cross and pray. Maybe while the sermon's going on or a song is being sung, it's just that they are so here to be touched by You in such a sweet and personal way that they respond by calling out to You. Oh God, I'm praying for that outpouring. Would You move in us? Would we allow You to move in us? If we've erected walls, if we're putting up barriers, may we knock them down. May we be repentant. May we be responsive. In Jesus' name, Amen.